Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell. And of course, joining me on a Monday to do a, a weekend wrap up in the world of sports is our great buddy here, Jason Cameron. Hey, man, uh, you're looking good. And I uh, heard you're feeling good. Uh, body's starting to uh, get into better shape. And uh, yeah, you, you, the recovery's coming along. How's that going? <laughs> It's it's coming along, thanks. Um, it, it's it's slowly coming along, but it is coming along, and that's the most important thing. Um, I had a pretty quiet weekend. Just watch some sports. Good. Always. Yeah, me too. Uh, obviously, it was phenomenal watching the NBA Finals. Uh, we've got a good series here. Uh, kind of a surprise um, outcome in Game One, but. Uh, Back on track with the Warriors' big 107-88 win last night. And uh, great to see the series, even at one. Um, very competitive. Uh, Warriors uh, uh, had that amazing third quarter last night where everything they were shooting was going down and, and their defense was stepping up. And, uh, uh, yeah, suddenly uh, we're tied going back to Boston for game three. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. I am very excited. I was hoping that Golden State would respond to the Celtics' previous win in game one where they all of a sudden exploded. And Al Horford, of all people, was the Celtics' savior in that game one where he scored. Literally, it was, I think it was two threes and a jumper on the baseline, eight points. And then after that, they kind of took took over the game and they, they just ran away with the game. Yeah. And then... Horford was the high scorer in that game one with 26 points, six rebounds. But the one thing I was super impressed by in their game one victory was the fact that Tatum wasn't anywhere near the leaderboard scoring. Yeah. He actually had a horrible game shooting, yeah. Yeah. but a lot of other guys picked up the, picked up the slack for him, which was uh, Derek White, 21 points, Smart with 18 points, and Brown with 24 points, and with Horford with 26 Man, that, that's very balanced scoring across the board for the Celtics. So it was a great win for them. Yeah, that was a, really a, a strange script. Uh, you'd think uh, with Tatum not not shooting well, um, yeah, Boston would have a hard time time winning because obviously he's their best scorer and has been all season. But uh, he became the facilitator. They were double and triple teaming him, uh, 13 assists. And, and uh, yeah, so he... He changed his game, and uh, it was great for, for Boston to, to be able to pull out a win without him shooting well. But um, the, the script was flipped quite a bit uh, last night's game. And uh, even though it was uh, a two-point game at half, uh, the Warriors came out, and they, they broke uh, a record. 35-14 uh, uh, to 14 was they outscored Boston in that third quarter, the highest margin. Uh, between scores uh, in the Warriors history, which kind of blew my mind. Uh, uh, that was the, um, yeah, that, that was just the telltale difference. Everything they were shooting was going down. Uh, they, they had more turnovers. Boston had more turnovers than field goals. And uh, the defense was just stepping up really well for the Warriors. Yeah, the defense was stellar for them uh, that night. And, I, yeah, I was super impressed. I was very impressed with their defensive pressure that they kept up with the Celtics all game. And then the Warriors did their typical third quarter where they pulled away and they yeah. stayed, then they kept it that way. Yeah, they, they sure did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, I, I want to go back and talk about my weekend a little bit more. Uh, you know, I, I, I just um, can't get enough of sports, uh, typical, typical weekends, but this weekend was a bit special. It was my birthday yesterday. And uh, so I really uh, wanted to be just immersed in sports, um, but it just it was really weird. A lot of things kept coming up to sort of try to derail it. Uh, we had tickets for the Canada soccer game. Uh, they were supposed to play Iran, and uh, that game got um, postponed or canceled. And uh, so then we um, decided, okay, what are we going to do? And we saw that the Vancouver Canadians were playing a game at Matt Bailey Stadium. And so we, we ended up getting tickets for that. And then they said, oh, it's going to rain, so that game's going to get canceled. So then we heard that Canada soccer – reversed and was able to get Panama to fly in to have a game uh, against Canada at BC place. And then that game got canceled. And uh, so then we went to uh, Nat Bailey stadium and we were there a little bit early for the game. And suddenly they made an announcement that uh, this game has been postponed. Um, we're going to just postpone it for an hour or two until we can get the field uh, dry. So, so we sat there for a little while and they said, today's, today's going to be a double header uh, once we get going. And so we waited, waited a while. We had the best seats in the house right behind home plate. Awesome. Having some drinks and having some peanuts and you know, the usual, uh, but we waited quite a while before we saw any baseball. Uh, when they, when they have double headers, now they condense the game from nine innings down to seven. And uh, so we, we got to see the game and then they said, oh, we're going to take a break, pretty long break before we uh, start up the second game. So so we left and we went to watch the Warriors game and uh, had a great, great evening doing that. But um, yeah, it was just crazy how so many things were just conspiring against us to try to see some live sports. And uh, but we, we did get a game in, which was great. That's good. Perseverance is key. You persevered. And then finally, finally, something went your way. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. The, the uh, Canada soccer team has decided to go on strike. They said that they're um, not being paid their fair share. And uh, a lot of things that have occurred since they qualified for the World Cup have um, not been to their liking. And uh, they've decided to use their veto power and and uh they canceled some training sessions they canceled these games and uh there is a game scheduled for thursday this coming week and nobody knows if they're going to take the field or not uh it's kind of looking bad on vancouver a little bit it's looking bad on the national team which is you know received a ton of praise for uh, making the world cup for the first time since 86 and uh, it's a big fiasco right now. It's 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 not fun to uh, to watch all these uh, fights going on. That's interesting because like there's so much positive press right now around the team, yeah. and now the team feels like they're being slighted by the government, which is not good. Yeah. So, it to me, it's almost like is there nobody mediating this? Is there nobody here to try to figure this stuff out before it actually gets to a point of no return? Yeah. Because if you look at it from the outside looking in anyways, it looks like they could possibly threaten even going to the World Cup, period. 
Yeah, this is crazy. Yeah, this is the time where they're supposed to be getting ready for the World Cup, getting some training in, getting playing some opponents. Uh, they're they're you know people that they're going to be playing in their qualifying group all had games this past weekend against other opponents, and uh, it's starting to become a mess. And this is you know this is crazy because it's the first time that people have really been united across the country in whatever it's been 25 years um, 30 years or something like that uh, since you know people have been really excited about the direction of this team um, one thing that uh, I, I've, I've been kind of angry about is for this qualifying uh, Canada is supposed to get about a 10 to 15 million dollar um, payout from FIFA for making the World Cup and um Soccer Canada wants to give them about the, the men's team about 10% of that. Uh, and they, they, they earned this. Uh, they were the ones that are getting it. If they didn't qualify, uh, Soccer Canada wouldn't be receiving this, this money. And they only want to hand out about 10% of it to the team, which seems just outrageous. Uh, I don't know why the national team's not getting 75, 80% of it, uh, you know, and, divvy the rest up to the other teams out there but uh really bizarre uh really too bad and it's it was it was a black mark on this past weekend for sure that seems odd that you would not like have a fair a a fair a, a fair giving out of the spoils of like them making the world cup like like to me since they're the ones that actually did all the hard work and they made it happen, you'd have to have an equitable share of getting that money that the players should anyways. And if if anything else that, or that money should just be put towards the fact that this is going to be given to you guys to take care of you, to just take care of you, take care of all your training, all your costs, all your expenditures, everything that you need for food and living and blah, 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 like all of that money. Yeah. Go to that. Yeah. Boom. And then and then they don't have to worry about the government actually have to always infuse money because the money's already there. Yeah. 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 I guess the other sticking point is they they just heard that um, each guy will receive uh, two tickets to um, one of the games at the World Cup, um, but any of their friends or family that want to come have to pay their own expenses, pay their own accommodations and stuff. And almost every other soccer nation gives about eight tickets to each player and pays for certain family members and close friends and stuff to be able to fly over and support them, be there for them. Uh, so, yeah, they, they're a little mad about this. Uh, they said they, you know, they really want, to have that, the, you know, those close family members there and uh, it shouldn't, they shouldn't be out of pocket thousands upon thousands of dollars just to come support their kid. I guess COVID really hit our country harder than I thought <laughs> that they can't even afford that. Our country can't afford it. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I was thinking of bringing my parents to the game. You think I get, no, buddy. Yeah. Parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Especially when they're, you know, about to get a, a 10 to $15 million pay a check from, you know, the, the organization. Uh, it's just, it's outrageous. And uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see if this gets sorted out, but 
it was um yeah it was tough uh it was it was tough um the other thing that we found out while we went to the Vancouver Canadian games was uh they've had a few games this year already but finally we got to go uh it was 963 uh, days between games at Nat Bailey Stadium so uh a, a really really long stretch there and uh, there was a lot of talk that, um, you know, minor league teams like that, that rely so heavily on gate revenue and all the uh, sponsorship money and stuff like that to be out of commission for almost three years. Uh, really good to see them back and, and uh, you know, please go out and support the seas. Great day out, really fun. And uh, I'm, I'm so happy that they're back playing and uh, it, we had a, we had a blast there. Oh, that's great. I, I, I've been to Nat Bailey Stadium with you, yeah. and it's always a good time. Always a good time. So definitely, now that we're allowed to come out of our caves and see sunlight again and be like, oh, we can enjoy ourselves again, please do. <laughs> Go out there this summer and have fun, man, because we, we've missed that for a yeah. very long time. Yeah, I think actually the last game I went to was with you uh, before this weekend's game. So I was thinking about you. I was also thinking about you on Saturday night. I went down to the the pint to watch the Oilers play the Avalanche in game three. And uh, we were sitting in the same spot you and I were sitting in last time when we went to watch the UFC. Uh, It was um, electric down there. A pretty great crowd. Uh, Unfortunately, the Oilers uh, took a loss and uh, went down three games to none in the series. Uh, they are currently uh, playing game four as we are recording this podcast. Six minutes left in the third period, and it's 4-4. Uh, uh, Colorado just scored a goal, tied it up, and uh, six minutes left. If Edmonton uh, doesn't win this game, uh, their season comes to a close. Uh, the last Canadian team that has a shot to uh, stop this 30-year drought uh, no Canadian team winning the uh, Stanley Cup. Yeah. Well, you know, it's that. As I've said before last week, it's definitely not going to be Edmonton. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> and unfortunately for Colorado, if they just stayed in Quebec, it would have been two teams. Yeah, but that's too bad. Anyways, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. But, you know, hopefully one of these years, one of these years, yeah. one of these Canadian teams is going to finally break through and get to the finals yeah um and you know as i said uh yesterday we we left the baseball game and we headed out we had some reservations at a, a sports car sports bar called the great canadian i think it's called the great canadian sports bar uh great place uh, phenomenal you can have uh, a speaker right on your table so you can hear the sound really well um super busy there and it um, the game was quite back and forth, and I really wasn't sure uh, if there was a lot more Warriors fans or uh, Boston fans. And then the Warriors started hitting a lot of threes. Steph was hitting from downtown, and when Jordan Poole hit that one from almost half court, yes, uh, the place went bananas. Uh, lights were flashing. The place went crazy, and then I went, okay, yeah, almost everybody here is going for Warriors. And it had been um, a long time since I had seen a, a, a finals game with the Warriors involved uh, back to 2019 when the Raptors and the 
Warriors were playing. Uh, but uh, man, does it ever electrify a crowd when uh, Steph's out there hitting great threes? Uh, there was there was a stretch there where each team was just back and forth, back and forth, hitting three after three. And man, the the atmosphere. I'm telling you, man, uh, you just got to go to a game uh, before this finals is over. Uh, it's incredible. Go watch a, a game at one of the sports bars locally. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, because when Jordan Poole, I, I believe he hit two threes in a row, and then it was ended with that 39-foot dagger that yeah. he hit. Yeah. Um, and then and then a quick aside, I believe Mark Jackson was on the call that night. He was one of the guys in the playoffs that's hit a three farther than Poole did that night, wow. which was 40 feet. It was just wow. a football Amazing. I, I, was, I was very I was very surprised to hear that. It was it was Mark Jackson, Mario Chalmers. That's what they had. They had oh. those guys both hitting 40-foot bombs. Really? Eh? Oh, cool. That's neat. I never saw the stat, but that's awesome. Oh, shit. Uh, Avalanche <laughs> just went ahead. Nico Rantanen just scored their fifth goal on the power play. A little over five minutes left. Uh, Colorado's up 5-4, so yeah. uh, let's hope Not for it. everybody in Canada that uh, Oilers can rebound a little bit and get a tying goal but man it was four to two now it's five four colorado so not looking good um uh i'm i'm impressed with uh almost everything uh the warriors are doing except uh clay thompson seems to be struggling still he's not able to hit a shot uh, are you noticing anything uh why he's not firing on all cylinders yet I want to, you know what I want to say? I, I think it, it's just the time away from the game. And like a lot of this, like when you're at the highest levels, timing, consistency, all of those things come into play. And when you haven't played for two years in your prime, yeah. you were at a certain level, but now you're trying to desperately try to get back to that level. It's not going to happen overnight. Mm. All right. But at the same time, he's thrown flashes throughout this playoff run where in a couple of closeout games where he's just gone off, I believe in one of the series, he went eight for 14 from three. So it's there. It is there. Like the, his capacity to do these things, to be the old clay that we've known him to be, it is there, but it's just the consistency is not there yet. Yeah. And I think, you know, give him another like summer to get his body back into shape and get back in a rhythm. And then the next year, I, I think you're gonna you're gonna see that old clay again. He's just desperately trying to get there right now and help the team any way that he can. Yeah. And, and I think honestly, he had a horrible game the last game uh, against the Celtics in Game Two. I think Game Three, he's gonna come out gangbusters. I think he's nice. gonna have a big game in Game Three. Good, good, good to hear. Hopefully that's true. Um, great to see the mitten back. Uh, he had uh, suffered a broken elbow May the third. Missed, um, you know, the majority of these playoffs. Uh, he came out to a, a rousing ovation and uh, great to see Gary Payton the second back. Um, he was very missed and uh, I really loved seeing him back out there. Um, yeah, he, he did a great job. 25 minutes, um, you know, had to get his legs under him, but uh, I thought he did great. I thought he did great too. And again, Sometimes I'm just amazed at the, 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 the recovery abilities of some of these athletes because the man broke his elbow. So 
I still don't know, really know how he's out there. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I break my elbow, I'm not playing basketball. I'm done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. And it, it just missed just over a month. Uh, that's incredible. Yeah. The, the healing ability of professional athletes uh, shocks me every week, every month, uh, all the time. Uh, it's incredible. They, they, they usually beat the um, doctor's estimates of six to eight weeks. And uh, yeah, they come back as uh, strong as ever and looking Incredible. Yeah. But uh, really happy to see him back. Uh, I, I was worried for him that he was going to miss the rest of the playoffs, but uh, to be able to come back for game two, I'm sure he was absolutely thrilled. Uh, you mentioned Al Horford having a phenomenal game, game one, um, shut down in game two, two points. Uh, also Williams only had two points. Marcus Smart only had two points. Uh, those guys all had great games in game one. Holy cow. Oilers have tied it. <laughs> oh man it's five all uh three minutes 22 seconds left uh huge fifth goal let me see what happened here they really uh, don't want to lose amazing uh oh okay they're oh they turned over the puck uh dry looks like mcdavid passed to back to dry wow holy cow uh the call the Coliseum there in Edmonton is going nuts, man. It is going nuts. Five all. Whew. Wow. They this really don't want to lose. They really this don't is, want to lose. This is great. This is really great. That first game uh was eight six, and that was just an incredible game. And this one shaping up to be one of those classics, too. Uh three minutes. Uh, I would I would wager a guess that the next goal wins. So I'll try to keep one high on it. But uh, as I said, uh, Horford, uh, Smart, and and Williams, uh, six points combined in the entire game. Uh, that was an amazing defense and an amazing change by Steve Kerr and the Warriors. Well, this, 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 this series is definitely going to be about adjustments. And they made a great adjustment, like Green, Draymond, Whenever he, I noticed when he was guarding Al Horford personally, he was up on him. No airspace whatsoever. Yeah. And I thought that uh, their aggressive scheming against these guys that really hurt them in game one, that paid off. That really did. Yeah. Like, it, like Their defensive scheming against those three guys really paid off. And then also, too, on top of that, Smart and White didn't make shots. Right. Didn't make shots either. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. It compounded yeah. upon each other. And then all of a sudden, now you have the Warriors win by uh, almost 20. So, yeah. Uh, Draymond's uh, doing Draymond things again, uh, getting into it with Grant Williams quite a bit, receiving his fourth technical. Um, I was starting to think, uh oh, that might mean a suspension, but uh, it's actually seven. If you get seven, technicals um a flagrant uh a flagrant two counts as is a flagrant one that counts for two uh flagrant two counts for one so he yeah. still has a little bit of wiggle room there but uh what do you think of his battle with grant williams uh constantly last night that's the thing about draymond draymond has to he's a player that has to live on that edge on that line for him to be completely effective for him to be what he needs to be for his team. I'm not surprised at it. I think at certain times, Draymond has to remember to tone it down and not cost his uh, team. 
because I believe that actually happened to him. I want to say the 2016 finals. Yeah, we got yeah. kicked out. Yeah. That's something that they do not need. They yeah. do not need that from Draymond in this finals. He's he's too instrumental to the team to win. Yeah. I think I believe he knows that. I believe he understands that. I hope he doesn't make the same mistake as he did in that finals because of that mistake that may have cost them a championship. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. he learned from that and knows to you can push, but don't push too hard. Or else, then you'll you'll you're, you're going to cost your team. Yeah. Um, okay. What do you think we're going to see? Game three back in Boston Wednesday night. Uh, who do you think wins uh, game three and takes a a little bit of one more step towards the championship? Warriors. Yeah. I think that I think they go back to back. This is this is a gutsy call on my part. I I understand. I know. But I, I think I think the Warriors come back and I think they play just how they did in game two, possibly even better. And I think Clay will definitely be better in game three. Nice. That's why I'm calling the Warriors win. Yeah, hope you're right. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, it's nice that there's extra day in there. Everybody can get healthy, keep rested. Uh, should be should be a hell of a game. And uh, I'm sure looking forward to it. Uh, it's been a competitive uh, final and that's what we were Hoping for after the two conference finals didn't sort of le- uh, let uh, you really didn't really look um, come together as a in a very competitive matchups, but um, this finals looking great. So uh, okay, I want to men- I want to make some mention of some coaching maneuvers. Um, Quinn Snyder resigned as the Utah Utah Jazz coach uh, over the weekend. Uh, pretty much shocked uh, the world. Eight seasons there, um, a lot of success in the regular season, uh, playoff bursts uh, uh, almost every year. Um, but uh, he decided to to walk away from that franchise. Um, were you surprised uh, by that sort of late move uh, by him? You knew that some changes had to happen, and I think there's still going to be some major changes because now they have to make a decision on where the team is going to go what direction they're going to go in. Because I think with the construction of this roster right now, it's not good enough. Yeah. I, think, I, think he, I think we can now make that, that assumption that it's not good enough. And we never know what's going on behind the scenes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then so maybe, maybe Quinn already had it in, uh, you know, through like uh, through his other channels that he was going to be gone anyways. So he decided to bow out gracefully before that actually happened, yeah. right? And then, right. because with the direction that they, because they, this is a major crossing roads for the Utah Jazz. Do they keep Rudy Gobert or do they let him go? And then they go in a completely different direction. Like that, there's a lot of question marks with this team that need to be answered. And then now, also too, they need another new head coach and mm-hmm. another head coach that they that they need for the philosophy of the team so that they can go forward and be even better than what they were for the past couple of seasons because they've been very successful over the regular season into the playoffs. So, yeah, uh, but but like I said, it's still – it's not good enough. It's not where they want to be because yeah. they want to be championships and the team roster is not there yet. Sure. Um, heard uh, heard that uh, Mike D'Antoni uh, – Mike D'Antoni is meeting with Michael Jordan uh this week uh for the hornets head coaching job uh what do you think about uh the possibility of d'antoni taking over that franchise 
Well, considering the 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 explosive scoring they have, the talent that they have, and the fact that D'Antoni just likes to score, doesn't pay too much attention to that defense stuff. But the offense that might that might work. Yeah. At least I think it's going to make the team very exciting to yeah. watch. And yeah, so, yeah. I, I thought you would be excited about it. Um, I think uh, it's it's kind of the right personnel for him and his run and gun style. And uh, yeah, it, it might be fun. Um, there was a uh, head coaching hire over the weekend. Uh, Darvin Ham was introduced today as the Lakers head coach. Um, they they said that uh, Jawan Howard was offered the job right off the bat, and they said uh, it was his job. Nobody else. They weren't even going to interview another candidate. Uh, he turned them down. And he said he wants to stay in Michigan. He's coaching his two sons coming up this year. And uh, see, so he doesn't want to leave for that. Uh, that would have been interesting. But uh, Darvin Ham, uh, kind of a, a strange direction. I didn't think um, that's where they would, uh, the Lakers would go. I thought they would get a, a higher higher profile guy. and um, But they decided to um, go with that direction. Well, here's the thing. I don't know if too many like of the the you know like the 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 high end coaches are looking at the Lakers job and saying that's the job I want. Right. I think they're looking at it going, oh look at that roster, <laughs> and, and and then on top of all of that, all of the egos and personalities that you have to deal with that roster and the fact that AD is he going to be around? When's he going to get injured? Because that's yeah. actually the question. It's not if he's going to get injured. When is he going to? How long is he going to be going for this time? Right. Is he going to be able to play like at least half the season? Maybe a third. Like you can't really depend on him. And no. then also too now with the Russell Westbrook thing, where you can see there's there's been a deteriorating of skills, but he still thinks. But he's still he is still Russell Westbrook. He's just not at the Russell Russell Westbrook level that we've seen before in years past. True. He's not there anymore. Yeah. And. The like the team is not very good right now. It's not very good. It's not a it's not a great situation to walk into. And I think Juwan Howard probably looked at that and said, "I'd rather coach my sons." I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that right? was yeah, that was yeah, amazing. Yeah, uh, instead of taking the high profile Lakers job and reuniting with uh, some of those guys, uh, LeBron played with him before. But uh, no, he he wants to stay coaching his son. So. Um, yeah, we'll see how Darvin Ham does. Um, I think it's a mess there. They got to do something, probably blow that team up and, and get a, a lot of different guys in there. Yeah, and I and I believe Darvin Ham will do the best of what he can with what he has. Yeah. But I think he's going to be limited. And this is going to be a weird thing to say, but I don't think his voice will be the loudest voice in the locker room. Right. And which will be problematic too as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of LeBron... Uh, he was just announced uh, over the weekend that uh, he's the first active athlete to become a billionaire. Uh, he That was a goal of his, and uh, he's been talking about it for many years. Uh, he actually was just, um, yeah, just said that his uh, net worth is over a billion. Uh, he made, uh, from May of 2021 to May of 2022, he made $121.2 million 
uh, second highest paid athlete in that time frame. Uh, Lionel Messi made 130 million from May to May this past year. Um, LeBron has made 385 million in salary in his 19 year career. Uh, he's made over 500 million in investments and endorsements. Uh, he just sold a stake in his production company called Spring Hill. Um, and uh, he's made big money, a lot of very, very wise investment moves. Um, and he also has three homes, uh, two in LA worth combined 60 million and a $10 million home in Akron. Uh, but uh, the first active athlete to become a billionaire, pretty, pretty cool. Uh, it was neat to read the article. And uh, the king, the four-time champion, uh, is a billionaire. Huh. That's, that's interesting to me, but that he says he's the first active athlete to meet uh, like a billion dollars. Because I, I didn't think that was true, to be honest with you. I thought it was Tiger and Floyd Mayweather have actually yeah. done the same thing. And they were yeah. active and did it too as well. But yeah. you know what? It's the king, so I'm not going to go against him. All right. All right. So he made it. He's a billionaire. He deserves everything that he's gotten. He's earned all of that. He's exceeded expectations from when he even came into the league to where he is right now. And the fact that he's still playing at the level he's playing at is utterly ridiculous. It doesn't even make any sense. So uh, all I can say is hats off to LeBron. You know, like he, he did it. He did it. He made yeah. it. Ten finals, four championships, uh, maybe yeah. one more, maybe somewhere, somehow before he before he retires who knows but uh he's 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 been incredible yeah yeah he sure has been and uh yeah it's uh, it's wild to to see that but you're right uh, yeah i think you're very right uh, i think tiger and and uh floyd uh both probably um yeah reached that point uh at some point already but um yeah i, I don't know i i don't know where uh I don't know. Yeah, well, something to look into a little deeper, I guess. Yeah, well, it, hey, I, I just remember how Floyd was making $300 million to fight for a while there. So I'm like, eh, I remember that. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he was probably spending, uh, you know, 200 10, million. 15, 10, 15, 20 million a day. Like, Floyd. you know, yeah, he, yeah maybe he, he just kept creeping up and then spending it, keep creeping <laughs> up and spending it. And Tiger, you know, divorcing and you know, <laughs> you know Tiger might I have forgot been about that. right there, and you know, all his uh, shenanigans. Uh, uh, both those guys have had some troubles keeping their money. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. And Tiger's had some troubles avoiding, like you know, golf clubs being thrown at him and stuff like that. So yes, yeah. There's these other extraneous things that may have necessitated them not making it to a billion, but hey, again, to LeBron, congratulations. You did it. You did yeah. it. And so, and his, his, his scope of power in basketball and just in sports in general, it's just going to keep growing. It's going to, he's going to be like a, he's like Michael Jordan already. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, yeah. That's, who, that's who he is. Uh, so we've hit overtime uh, intermission right now be, uh, in the, the game five all heading into the overtime period. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to update you. Um, I, I will be talking about another billionaire uh, in our NFL segment uh, as the Denver Broncos are expected to uh, sell in the coming days for a North American record for a franchise. So 
Uh, make sure you keep tuned tuned in so you can hear about this amazing thing. Russell Wilson is going to be super happy that uh, his uh, who his new owner is a very 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 rich man taking over the Denver Broncos uh, in the coming days here. So, um, okay, let's turn to um, the USC. They had a, uh, a fight night over the weekend. It was an early, early card. Uh, not a lot of guys were uh, very happy waking up that early, but uh, I, I woke up early, watched the fights, and uh, tried to let everyone know, including you, how early it was and uh, how, to, how to watch it. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure why they put it on early like that. Uh, you might have said uh, for the European and uh, other uh, customers around the or uh, fans around the world. Um, you think that's probably why? I always think that's why. I, I like. I, I I honestly do. I always think when they they change it up like that, that's to give our our fight fans across the pond a chance to see it at their regular time instead of at our time. Right. So I I think that I think that's what it was. And uh, I'm sure they appreciate it. It's kind of for us, it you know, it's different to watch the fights super early in the morning, because then once the fights are done and it's usually done around four o'clock or something, when it starts that early, you have the rest of your day to do whatever you want to do. So that's always. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a bonus for us, for sure. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a, a very stacked card, uh, I thought, for fight night. Uh, 14 fights on the card, and we have a heavyweight battle up at the top. Uh, number seven against number eight. And uh, you you know, you know, made a mention as we previewed it last week that Volkov is coming off this loss to uh, Tom Aspinall just in March, and it was able to turn it around and, and face uh, Rosenstrike, who... Uh, you know, came out gangbusters in his early part of his UFC career and uh, now has taken a step back, getting some KO losses recently. Uh, he looked pretty strong to start with, but uh, Volkov put it on him, uh, was able to put him in a lot of trouble, uh, possibly an early stoppage, but uh, it probably doesn't change the outcome. Uh, it looked like Volkov was going to... Uh, put him out at some point soon and uh, gets a huge win, uh, a very big necessary win in his career. Yeah. Huge win for Volkov. Huge win. Uh, takes out a very, very tough guy. And the only thing about Rosenstrike, I always, he's a slow starter from what I've seen in his fights. Yeah. He's just a slave. He's traditionally a low, a slow starter. So if you know that you have the opportunity to jump on him fast Right. Since he's such a slow starter. And I think that's what Volkov did. He goes, this guy starts slow. So if the, the longer this fight goes on for me, actually the more dangerous it gets. Try to jump on him now. Yeah. I, I think I, I might have a good a good chance of getting him out of there. And he did. Once he hit him with that right, a lot of people think that the, the stoppage was quick. I don't. Because if you look at his positioning and when the ref came in to save him, ah, he was just going to take more damage. Like I, I just don't, I don't I did not foresee him getting out of that situation without being put on the mat and right. out cold. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, he said, uh, you know, he he was a little angry. Rosenstrike was a little angry with the early stoppage. He said, you know, just just getting going. And yeah, I was in a bit of trouble, but I I could have got out of it. Uh, but uh, he said, hey, I, you know, I can fight anytime now. 
didn't take a concussion, didn't, you know, don't have anything to recover from. So, uh, you know, maybe that's uh, also a bonus for him that, um, you know, if he would have got knocked out, he wouldn't have been fighting for a while, would have had a, a medical suspension and, you know, the, the, the necessary time to recover from a KO. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Very true. Um, Volkov now uh, can't fight the guy immediately above him, probably, Aspinall, but uh, there's talk now about maybe fighting down a little bit. Uh, Chris Dawkins is at number nine. Marcin Tabura at number 10. Um, do you see uh, either one of those uh, fights being made? Dawkins. I think Dawkins would be the more interesting fight for me anyways. Um, you know, they say style makes fights. And I think those guys will be coming at each other. Be a clash of heads, man. Um, I I actually like that fight a lot. And especially for Dawkins, who's coming up in the rankings. I think that's a great fight to see where he's at in his fight career. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be great. Uh, I'm, I, I really look forward to that one. Uh, I, I've enjoyed Dawkins uh, coming in and, and uh, having, yeah, having a lot of success uh, so far. Um, there is talk possibly that he um, might fight the winner between Sergey Pavlovich and Derek Lewis, uh, which is coming up pretty soon. So uh, we'll see. Uh, in his corner, uh, Oleg Taktorov was there, uh, the winner of UFC 6 and uh, UFC legend from way back in the day in the er- in mid-90s. Uh, he was in the corner of a few of the Russian fighters uh, over the the day, um, pretty cool to to see him emerge. I haven't seen that guy in years. I haven't seen him in years either. As soon as I heard his name, I was like, "Wait, what?" I had to pause it and take a look because I'm like, "Is that really him?" Because he's been gone for a long time. Yeah. And like, and I and I haven't seen him in the corner. That's the first time I've ever seen him in the corner. Yeah. All the time. So I. Yeah. It was cool to see him come back. Yeah. Because like, he's been a part of uh, the MMA foundation from when it started. Yeah, he was uh, there in the early, early days. And, uh, yeah, I'm not sure why he's disappeared for so long. Uh, I, you know, he, he looks like, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's in the corner. He's, uh, you know, in many of the Russian corners uh, all night. And um, But, yeah, I was, I was really uh, happily surprised to see, uh, you know, such a legend uh, be brought back in and, and hopefully we that's not the last of them we see. I I I hope not. Because uh I, I would like to see more of him in uh in these corners, uh giving his advice. And it's just cool to see a legend back in there, back in the game. Yeah, that's great. Uh okay, let's talk about the uh co main event. Uh we've got the undefeated fighter Movsar Evloev against Dan 50k Ige. Uh, this was not very close. Uh, Evloev uh, is really dominant. Uh, it's going to take a very, very tough fighter to uh, knock him from the undefeated ranks. And uh, he he kind of just made EK's face look like hamburger, uh, just pounded him and uh, really was dominant uh, in this performance. Kind of was dominant all around. Like uh, Ige's actual best round was in the second round. But you could argue that Evolev actually won that round two as well because he definitely won rounds one and three. Uh, mm. His grappling was vastly superior to Ige's. Got his back all the time and threatened with the, the rear naked choke 
quite a bit throughout the course of that fight. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a very dominant win by Evrulev and uh, back to the drawing board for Ige. Yeah. Uh, some of those flying knees by him, too, were landing. And, and Ige was walking through them, but holy cow, uh, athleticism that he was showing. Uh, amazing movement, really crisp shots. Uh, you know, I, I think he, this guy's going to be trouble. I think he's going to be moving up the ranks uh, very soon. And, uh, yeah, look out. Uh, this, this featherweight division has been put on notice. Oh, yeah, it's been put on notice. And I would imagine that Evluev would have taken Ige's 10th spot, so now he's in the top 10, finally. Long road. Yeah, yeah, it's a long road up there. Uh, he called out Arnold Allen. Uh, don't see Allen uh, taking that because he's right near the top of the division, uh, possibly uh, up uh, very soon for a title shot. But uh, he did shoot his shot, as they say. Yeah, I liked it, actually. I liked the call out because he is undefeated. He is on the move up in the rankings. And I thought, you know what? Call out a big name. It's a good idea. Yeah. I heard today uh, there's two possibilities. If it's not Ar Arnold Allen, uh, Bryce Mitchell and Giga Chikadze as possible uh, opponents for him next. Both great opponents for him. Both would uh, do great for his career. Um, yeah, I, I, like, I like both of those. I like both of those possibilities for matchups for him. Me too, yeah. Uh, the fight of the night was uh, the fight just previous to the co-main. Uh, Lucas Almeida and Mike Trezano, they both got 50K for fight of the night. Uh, Almeida, uh, just a finisher. He's just uh, coming in on his UFC debut and was able to get a, a huge knockout. Um, very, very, very impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Took him out in the third. I believe he hit him with a, a left hook. Huge and then rounded pound finish. But as the fight was going on, he knocked him down, I think, once in the first and once in the second, too. So there was definitely, for me anyways, there was a power discrepancy in their strikes. Um, Almeida was definitely getting the better of uh, Trezano as the fight was wearing on. And eh, I guess it was only a matter of time until he finally connected with the huge shot that put him down for good. That was it. That's all she wrote. Great fight, though. Trezano was game, but uh, Almeida had his number on this one. Yeah. Um, Almeida, Almeida got rocked early in the, the first round, uh, and he wobbled a bit, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, it was a little too late for Trezano to take advantage. Almeida went into this corner, and his cornermen were like, hey, you can, you can kick this guy. Do it. Just unleash it. And, and, he, and he did, and he came out, and he – Landed uh, a few bombs and was able to get knocked down. Uh, a massive left that, that led to that knockdown, ground and pound, and then uh, boom, Mark Smith came in and stopped it. Uh, very great uh, USC debut and uh, nice to get a KO win. Um, he he was uh, confident too. He said he's going to clear out this division, and um, a lot of people made some big money if they called the KO. Uh, $800 off a $100 bet. So uh, not uh, Vegas didn't think um, that uh, this was going to end by KO by Almeida. 
Yeah, somebody made a lot of money. Wish that person was me. That was <laughs> awesome. We've just witnessed the Colorado Avalanche sweeping the Edmonton Oilers with an overtime goal. Uh, they have won four straight to advance to the Stanley Cup final uh, against either the Tampa Bay Lightning or the New York Rangers. And uh, the Oilers look pretty sad. They're about to do the handshake as they do after series ended. And uh, quite the shocker, um, did not expect uh, Colorado to sweep out the Oilers. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think anybody did. But at the same time, Edmonds has got to be pretty happy with the way their career, uh, their season actually ended because they were in, it, there was a possibility they weren't even going to make the playoffs. And then they did. And they got that far. So I think Oilers fans should look at that and be like, that's a successful season. That's a great season. That's a great run. Yeah. Are you, uh, you're never going to lift the curse, hey? You're, you're just going to run it until the day you die. Uh, Evans is never going to win a cup. I'm pretty sure I said when I die, then you're allowed. <laughs> so, you know, like, all I can say to Edmonton fans is I probably only got about, you know, 50 more years, five decades. Uh, and then you guys can win. You'll probably win like another four or five. Is that great? Just got to wait till then. So uh, when is that, 19, 2072 or something like that? Anyways, yeah, I'll be great here for you. Awesome. Oh, great. Great. Uh, we just lost. Oh, yeah, I, I just saw all the Oilers fans just turned off the computer, turned <laughs> off their phones. Uh, we, we've, we've lost a bunch of viewers. Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, another year where no Canadian team wins Stanley Cup. It would be a 30-year drought. Um, but, um, yeah, Colorado. Colorado uh, went through some tough times. Uh, we're able to rebuild and uh, have put together an amazing, amazing team. And uh, they're my pick to win the cup. Uh, I'd be shocked if they, they didn't take the cup this year. Um, okay. Let's fly through a little bit more of the UFC here. Uh, the fight uh, previous to the Trezano Almeida fight, uh, Karina Silva got a, a submission win uh, right near the end of the first round. Uh, she also got 50K. Um, Killer looked phenomenal in her UFC debut as well. And and uh, pretty nice to have a six-fight win streak and get 50K for her troubles. Oh, yeah. That, that's fantastic. That's the way that you want to see it end. And uh, also, too, uh, Silva looked great. She had a great jab, uh, out-wrestled her. And uh, definitely when she locked in that Darce choke, that was all over. That was yeah. in super tight. Very that impressive. Only, that was only the second woman to ever win uh, in UFC history by a Darsh choke. Uh, Tatiana Suarez is the other only other female that's ever been able to do it. And um, yeah, it was only five seconds left in the round. I, uh, you know, I, I, I would have been screaming to Paulina to 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 not tap, but uh, she probably would have went to sleep if she didn't. Yeah, she was going to go Betty by. So she decided instead of me waking up and going, what happened? <laughs> or where am I? <laughs> um, uh, she decided to tap. But uh, great win by Silva. Great win yeah. by Silva. Okay, speaking of 50K, uh, the fight before that one uh, was another 50K bonus went to Odie Osborne, the Jamaican sensation. 
Uh, there's four Jamaicans in the UFC, and uh, this is a this was an amazing, great performance by him. Uh, another big victory, and uh, uh, yeah, great to great to see him come in. I I, I really like this guy. Uh, very fun to to watch fight and to listen to after the fight. Yeah, nah, he's he's quite the personality, and uh, he's obviously quite the fighter too. Uh, hit Adeshev with a huge counter check hook. Round and pound finish made it look easy. Yeah. Uh, this was the sixth fastest KO in flyweight history. Um, and he called out another guy that had a big win on the card, uh, Jeff Molina. Um, that was uh, pretty interesting that uh, he went went for him. Uh, hopefully they can make that that fight. Uh, both those guys look exciting and, and, and uh, young up-and-coming prospects. Yeah, and a good call out. You know, like he's he's going for another guy that's going up the rankings too as well. So good call out. Yeah, that was just that was a fast knockout, and uh, yeah, really, really, really impressive. Um, okay, what about uh, the KO by Alonzo Menafield to start the main card? Uh, he looked angry. He looked like this guy had stolen his lunch money and he was getting it back. Uh, that crucifix that he got him into uh, was just incredible. And uh, once he just started raining down those elbows, Herb Dean had to jump in there and, and save the guy. Uh, man, uh, Manafield always looks so big, powerful. Uh, once he got in that crucifix, though, uh, it was just a beginning of the end. It was over. It was over. Like, like, what, like he was just kind of inching himself into place for him to properly drop and rain down those elbows. And once he started doing that, I'm like, ooh. You know, when you hear that, the, the sickening thud. <laughs> I, I love it when Bisping says that. The thick, sickening thud of the elbow to the skull. Yeah. Hearing that over and over again, I think Herb Dean goes, okay, I think that's enough of you taking that kind of abuse. I think this, this fight is over. <laughs> but I, I did love Menafield's approach to the fight. I thought it was very well thought out. I thought they had a great game plan, which was throw your strikes, go into the grappling, take them to the ground, and uh, win that way with his superior power and strength. Because he definitely outstrengthed Zorov on the ground. Yeah, there was um, there was quite a, a fight afterwards between the corners, uh, between him, th these two guys. Uh, it wasn't letting it go. Uh, Menafield said that this guy actually uh, cheated on his record um, on Thursday. His record was sitting at uh, 26 and seven, I believe. And by fight time, his record had been changed to 19 and 12. Um, I don't know uh, where the discrepancy was, uh, but I saw it last week that he had 26 wins to his credit. And only, I think, six or seven losses. And then suddenly, uh, as I look at it right now, currently, he's 19 and 13 in his MMA career. So um, he, he said he was really angry and pissed off that this guy could get away with cheating on his record and trying to, uh, you know, prove or make everybody think that he was better than he actually really was. I, I, that's got to be a first. That's got to yeah. be a first. Like, I, I don't think I've ever heard of any fighter lying about their record because how could you? Yeah. It's, it's on, it's, it's on the internet. <laughs> yeah. 
and he <laughs> and he was somehow getting away with it too, which um, was quite shocking. Uh, oh, very odd, very 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 odd. So, um, anyway, yeah, okay. Why don't we uh, bang off a bit of the prelims? Um, the featured prelim had Karolina Kovalevich against Felice Herrig. Uh, Kovalevich got the submission win late. A uh, minute left in the second round. Uh, put F- Herrig into retirement. Um, what do you got to say about this one? First off, I thought Kolakevich looked excellent. I thought her use of elbows, especially off the break, was fantastic. Um, and uh, for her to, I think she wanted it more. I, I think at the end of the day, she wanted it more. Uh, managed to, her wrestling was great, was on point. Got the ground and pound, rear naked choke finish. Um, she grinded for that win. It's not that Herrick didn't uh, fight well. I thought she did. I just thought that Kovacavich wanted it more. And then once she retired, we're not going to, I'm going to be honest. I kind of expected that. I thought that Herrick's uh, career was winding down, but uh, she was one of the, one of, one of the trailblazers for the women's division for that division in particular. Uh, She's had a great career. She has nothing to be, uh, she has everything to be proud of for her career and what she's uh, brought to the sport. And uh, happy trails to her. I wish all, her, her all the best. Hopefully, maybe she even gets into to broadcasting because I think she would have great insights into the game if she got into it in that way, in that capacity. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, she said she's going to make a lot more money on social media. Uh, we've heard other women say that as well, make a lot more money with the only fans account and things like that but um yeah she, you're right she is a trailblazer one of those original girls that came in at the start when the ufc allowed women for the first time and um yeah i, I knew that probably uh kovalkevich was gonna take take her out and uh, this might be the the last that we see of felice in the octagon and uh, yeah she made it official uh, good luck on your post-fighting career. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think, yeah, she could do great commentary. There's a lot of things that she could make a lot of money with, and uh, she'll have a, I think she'll have a great life uh, after her fighting career. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, we're running out of time here, but uh, uh, I did want to mention uh, Damon Jackson. Uh, the leech looked really good. Uh, Dan Argetta came in, undefeated fighter. And uh, Jackson just uh, was able to uh, show his superior grappling skills and and uh, ruin the debut and uh, the, yeah put a blemish on Argetta's record for the first time. Yeah, Jackson looked great, and uh, he he did it in his typical way of grinding, pressure, uh, grappling. Yeah, uh, Jackson really took it to Argueta. Really took it to Argueta. Yeah. Uh, Do- Tony Gravely got a huge knockout very quick over Johnny Muyos. Uh, uh, very impressive. I-, I like this little guy, and uh, yeah, he uh, <laughs> yeah, he's fun to watch, and uh, he got a really quick KO. Yeah, he got a huge quick KO. It actually took me a while. I had to rewind it because I was just like, "What? Wait, what did he hit it with?" Because <laughs> like, it was such a short right uppercut like it was just there was a lot a lot of movement there but the fact that the guy dove in to try to take him down and he hit him at the same time hey that's momentum it was a great knockout great timing on the punch 
a great win by Gravely. Yeah, man, was it ever short? Like it was just from here to here, like just the littlest shot, but just yeah. perfectly placed. And uh, as you said, I guess the momentum of his head coming in mm-hmm. and and the shot to it. Uh, but yeah, I've, I I know even like you, you you know the commentators were like, what what happened there? What did he hit him with? Uh, you know they were they were shocked too, and uh, we all had to watch it a few times to 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 see. Uh, what what caused the knockout um there's been quite a bit of social media uh talk about uh jeff molina uh he got a decision victory over zalgas zumagulov uh molina uh opted to wear the pride shorts that the ufc had offered uh there the uh, ringside girls were wearing pride shirts this is pride month uh, Molina wore those shorts and um, has taken a massive amount of negative backlash social media. Uh, he said the hate has just been outrageous. Um, he went to he went on social media a couple times himself to explain, um, you know, why he wore the shorts and uh, he can't believe how much uh, people are hating him for it. Uh, it was it was pretty disgusting to hear. A lot of the things that have been said about him. It's discouraging to think that we're still there. Yeah. You know, like, like it's, it's discouraging to see that. Like, it's like, yeah, you think we've made all these strides within society, more more accepting in society, or maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, we saw a, a really amazing uh Debut from Renat uh, Fakhradinov, uh, really great over the uh, only Greek fighter on the roster, Andreas Michalidis, um, got a decision win. He looked great in his UFC debut. And uh, Aaron Blanchfield uh, got a big submission win over J.J. Aldrich. And uh, she called out the winner of Jessica I, Macy Barber. I think uh, that will be a hell of a fight. Um, anything else that you want to mention uh, that we haven't? I, I I think we've I think we I think we got it. Nice. We got it. nice. Um, okay, why don't we uh, just preview UFC 275? Um, it's from Singapore this coming Saturday. Uh, we've got two titles on the line, and also a rematch uh, between uh, the fight of the year candidates Weili Zhang and Joanna Jajajic. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the main event. Uh, Glover Teixeira, 42 years old, uh, from Brazil, taking on Yuri Prohachka, the 29-year-old Czech, uh, coming in to try to dethrone the old man. Um, what do you think we're going to see in this one? I think we're going to see fireworks. I think you're going to see two guys just come after each other, especially when it comes to Yuri Prohachka. Again, as I've said before, stand-up is so ridiculously unique it, that's really a hard thing to actually like train for because his yeah. stand-up is well, i've never seen anything like it yeah. <laughs> never, and i don't think anybody else has either like it is it is ridiculously unique um he has strikes that come from odd and different and weird angles he's going to be a very tough fight for glover i actually predict that yuri's going to win this i think with his uh his age uh, the fact that like he hits like a like a like a train, and all of these other things that he has going for him, and Glover has the experience. He's been battle tested, but 
I think this time around, Yuri might have a little too much for him. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it was an amazing story for Glover to, you know, get um, the belt on his uh, second uh, opportunity and um, get the belt at 42 years old, the oldest champion in the sport. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think maybe this is biting off a little more than he can chew. And uh, uh, this is only the third UFC bout for Prohachka. Uh, not too many guys get this opportunity at a belt that quick. But um, I think uh, when anybody really watches Prohachka and, and sees how he fights, uh, they know that uh, we're, we're seeing a, an amazing guy that could be considered one of the best pound for pound fighters very, very soon in the sport. Yeah. Like the guy has amazing standup, like amazing. I, I saw one of his training videos where he was training for this fight in particular, hitting a tree. Like he's, he's hitting a tree, punching wow. and kicking a tree. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. So he, he's taken a, a page out of Rocky and decided to go into the backwoods and train. <laughs> you're taking this pretty seriously pretty cool yeah pretty neat yeah can't wait to see that footage <laughs> uh okay valentina shevchenko another title defense in the women's flyweight division against talia santos the brazilian uh should shevchenko really keep in mind that both amanda nunez and rose namajunas have recently lost those belts uh, nobody was expecting Amanda to lose against Juliana Pena, and she did. Uh, do you think that um, she could possibly take her lightly and lose? Uh, I'm going to say this. I don't think so. I, I think Valentina is a, the ultimate pro's pro. I think she does not overlook any fight. I don't think she looks past any fight. She takes the fight as is and takes it into consideration what she needs to do to win. And she does all those things and wins. So I, I don't see any chance of her overlooking Talia Santos. I think she's going to go in there and I think she's going to win as she always has. Okay. Uh, if she does win, uh, she'll set another record. Uh, this record will be for the most title defenses of a UFC belt. Uh, she is currently tied with Ronda Rousey. Uh, with title defenses and um, yeah she she goes into the record books with the win here uh, one fight that I'm super excited about uh, that I, I I can't wait for is going to be on the prelim card uh, it's the uh, let me see oh yeah early prelim card Andre Andre Fialo against Jake Matthews uh, Fialo has won six out of his last seven uh, this is his eighth fight in the past 16 months. Um, and uh, Matthews has won six of eight. And both of these guys are bangers uh, for the welterweight division. I, I, I think this fight, um, yeah, has fight of the night written all over it, even though we've got a couple of uh, title fights and the, uh, uh, the rematch between Whaley and uh, Ioana. Yeah, uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think that particular fight could be one. Of, it could be one of the best fights on the card, by far and away. Myself, I'm looking forward to seeing the rematch of Wei Li Zhang and Joanna 
Joanna, I'm looking forward to that fight again. I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, redo that and put on another epic match. I wish this was a five-round fight, uh, not just three rounds. I wish they would have made it a, a five-round fight because, uh, um, you know, these two went into battle in, in 2020 uh, fight of the year. Uh, both landed almost 200 strikes apiece. Um, do you think there's any way that they can live up to how good that first fight was? Uh, do, you, do you see the, them having an epic battle again like that? I'll tell you what I don't see. I don't see them doing what Rose and Carlos Sparza did. That's what I will not see. All right. <laughs> so thankfully, thankfully, thankfully. So I, I think there's a possibility that they could get to that, to get to that epic level again. But uh, as hey, as long as they, they both ladies put in their best, which I know they will, it's going to be a great fight. It's going to be a great fight regardless. Uh, the fight that uh, is right before that is Rogerio Bontarain against Manel Cape. Uh, definitely put some money on a finish for this one. Uh, these guys always finish fights. Uh, Bontarain has 16 finishes in his 17 wins. And uh, no, Cape has 16 wins in his last, in his 17 wins. And Rogerio has 14 finishes in 17. Uh, Bontarine has not won in 34 months, though. Uh, so he is very hungry. Uh, he had three losses as well as a uh, disqualification. Um, they was found to have some drugs in his system on one of these. So um, he's dying for a win. But uh, in flyweight, I don't usually talk about finishes uh, as much, but um, these guys finish fights when they win. Yeah, they do. They finish fights. They have immense power for like their, that weight division. And it, it's going to be a great fight. And I really, really enjoy watching Manuel Cap fight. He's a very technical striker. I like the way he fights. Yeah. Uh, the fight to start the night on the main card has uh, Jack Della Madalena from um, Australia against uh, Ramazan Amiv. Uh, Madalena has 11 straight wins and Amiv has won nine out of his last 11. Uh, Jack hasn't lost a fight in uh, over six years. So um, yeah, should be a, a tough opponent. Uh, I'm looking forward to looking forward to this card. It's going to be a hell of a fight. Uh, it's going to be cool to see a lot of the Singapore sites as well. Some of the footage that I've seen over this past week as they're promoting it. Uh, man, that looks like a beautiful, cool city. And uh, yeah, it should be neat for a lot of these fighters going over there. There are a lot of Asian fighters, a lot of fighters from that part of the world that we don't get to see much. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to yeah, seeing uh, yeah, seeing this card top to bottom. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this uh, card top to bottom. It's kind of cool to see that the, the pay-per-views again are expanding globally again uh, now that... Uh, our COVID stuff is kind of quieting down somewhat. Yeah. So it's, it's good to see. It's good to see. Um, okay. One last uh, UFC um, mention before we turn to a little bit of boxing. Uh, this actually goes into uh, from MMA to boxing. Uh, Greg Hardy, fresh off his loss in UFC 272 in March, 
he got knocked out by Sergei Spivak. Uh, he is now trying his hand at pro boxing. He will be fighting um, in Florida coming up uh, on the is it eighth uh, eighth of August. Uh, no opponent named yet, but uh, he will be now um, entering the the boxing ring instead of the octagon. Uh, um, I guess, um, yeah, I guess the Prince of War uh, has to try something uh, going back to the drawing board. Yeah. Um, well, his his Achilles heel was clearly his grappling and his wrestling. He never quite got that part of the MMA. So maybe this will be a good uh, a good transition for him. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was I think it's smart. Probably should have went there right in the beginning. Uh, wasn't able to to pick up the uh, yeah the grappling game very well, and uh, that was always uh, where he was uh, falling off. Uh, okay, there was a big uh, fight on the weekend. Uh, this was from the Marvel Arena in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, George Cambosas Jr. Uh, was defeated in his defense of the, the title, uh, beat by Devin Haney, a uh, unanimous decision in a 12-round battle. Um, Cambosas won his belt against Teofimo Lopez, at MSG last November, kind of shocking the world there. Um, and But um, he was dethroned. Uh, now Devin Haney owns all four lightweight belts and uh, has was able to uh, move to 28-0. Uh, impressive performance. Uh, got the victory there. Um, feel a bit sad for those Australian fans uh, cheering on their, their hero, but uh, Haney came in and, uh, and beat the hometown boy. Yeah, he came in, did his work, uh, and uh, looked impressive while doing it. But now you literally have the potential for greater fights now that Devin Haney has stepped into this because now you have Cambosis, you have Devin Haney, you have Teofimo Lopez. You got a lot of guys in there where there's going to be the potential for a lot of great fights coming up. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to this. I like I love it when belts change hands yeah. because that means it just means the competition is that tough. It's that hard. Yeah. Um, Lopez is scheduled to fight next against Pedro Campa, August 13th. Um, he lost his split decision to Cambosa. Um, he's had some serious injuries though. Uh, he, he actually tore his esophagus against Cambosa and almost died. Uh, they said that night in that fight, um, once he recovered, he had to have elbow surgery in February and surgery on his hand in March. Uh, but he's a uh, scheduled fight next uh, August 13th uh, against the Mexican fighter, Pedro Campa. Wow. Wow. Uh, it, it's amazing how much damage he took in that fight where he could have lost his life. Yeah. We always have to remember that these, uh, Combat sports is no joke. It's no joke, man. No. Uh, and I hear that Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Bud Crawford are on the verge of signing a deal to fight uh, in October. Uh, huge, huge, huge boxes on the line. They're trying to figure out how to divvy it up. Uh, this will be for the 147-pound title, the welterweight division. Uh, Spence has three belts, Crawford one, 
uh, something people have been just clamoring for for so many years, and it looks like it's it's right there. It's on the verge. Uh, we're going to finally see them fight uh, this year. You know what the one thing I really love about this fight, as long as it does get made, it actually gets made, that these guys are actually fighting each other in their primes. Yeah. Nobody's passed it. These, these are two upper echelon, best of the best fighters fighting in the prime. That's what anybody, everybody, any boxing fan wants to see. Yeah. And I couldn't be happier. And this will probably be the biggest fight. This might be the biggest fight of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it probably will. Uh, something super anticipated. And, and there's been too many times where uh, they've been trying to make these fights happen while the guys are in the prime and then it doesn't materialize. And then years later, they finally get it on. But uh, it's when they're, you know, past their prime and it's something that, uh, you know, everybody's left disappointed. But it looks like, um, yeah, they finally figured it out. Uh, one of them had to become a free agent to make it happen because the two rivals weren't ever going to make the uh, match happen. Luckily, one of them decided, um, yeah, he wanted to make it happen so bad that he left his promotion uh, arm. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I sure hope uh, we get to see this this year. And uh, you know what? I don't know which, which fighter is the one that left their, pro their uh, promotional team, but I wish more fighters would do that. I yeah. wish more fighters would take the risk and say, no, man, I, you represent me. I've told you what I want you to do. You don't want to do that? That's cool. You're not part of my team anymore. This yeah. is getting me. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if you're a real champion, you want to just fight the best of the best to prove how good of a champion you actually are. To prove the fact that you just don't duck anybody. Yeah. That's a champion. Yeah, that's a champion. You're right. Exactly. Okay, let's finish with uh, some NFL talk. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I wanted to talk about a billionaire who just is about to buy the Denver Broncos. Uh, Rob Walton, one of the uh, Walmart heirs, is uh, expected to buy the Denver Broncos for $4.5 billion, uh, making him the uh, richest owner of a professional franchise in the U.S. and uh, by far the largest price ever paid for a North American sports franchise. Um, Pat Boland's family is finally selling it. Um, he passed away in 2019. He bought the team in 1984 for only $78 million. And uh, now it's worth four and a half billion. Uh, must be nice to be a family member of Pat Boland's and getting to split uh, that kind of money up. I, I, I think it's unfortunate that he passed, but I'm sure the family's just like, all right, let's get rid of this team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is a nice, huge, big payday from a guy that's probably just going to be like, just like Randy Moss, straight cash homie. Here you go. <laughs> Yeah. And as I mentioned, uh, Russell Wilson's going to be happy. He uh, became the Denver Broncos quarterback this offseason, and uh, they will have a lot of money to make things really, really nice in Denver. Um, as I said, this will smash the American record for the highest price ever paid for a sports team. Um, the Brooklyn Nets were sold in 2019 for $2.35 That's the most before. Uh, the highest NFL 
team that was ever bought was David Tepper bought the Carolina Panthers in 2018 for 2.275 million. So almost double is being paid for this team. Uh, supposedly there were billionaires fighting it out with billionaires trying to outbid each other. And uh, it looks like Rob Walton is the guy that's uh, the winner. Uh, Walton definitely is the richest owner by far uh, in the NFL. He actually has more net worth than the other top six guys' wealth combined. So um, pretty sweet, uh, pretty pretty damn nice. He's worth about $60 billion. Uh, David Tepper, who I mentioned earlier, the second wealthiest owner, uh, Carolina Panthers guy, he's got about $17 billion. So, um, yeah, pretty awesome. Uh, we're getting to talk about billions and – these these rich guys uh, getting to to play with their money and uh, get to uh, own own some teams. I wonder if Rob Walton looks at the other owners and goes, "Oh, oh are you guys here to take my jacket? Like, is that what you guys are here to do? <laughs> hey, can you get me like a coffee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does he just them like minions? Because he's just like, I don't know about you guys, but I know about being really rich. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah." Yeah, I, I, I look forward to hearing some of the funny comments and stuff coming out of uh, some of these owners' meetings because uh, you usually hear some pretty wild stuff. But, yeah, this guy coming into the picture, yeah, he's yeah he's going to just dwarf every one of them. It's hilarious. Yeah, no, he's going to be like, oh, what, you guys need to borrow some money? I'm going to do some money. <laughs> it's awesome. So great, so great. Uh, okay, speaking of money, speaking of uh, guys getting richer, uh, Aaron Donald was uh, signed today to a two-year, $60 million extension, the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. Um, the Rams uh, decided they needed him. Uh, defending Super Bowl champions was able to uh, wrap up the MVP and uh, bring him back in the fold, uh, guaranteeing him that he's going to be there for the next couple seasons. And, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he already had a, a huge contract, uh, but they even upped it even more today. Yeah, he kind of, you know, deserves all of that since he's, like, the best defensive player last year, the last couple of years. Yeah. He's an absolute menace on the defensive side of the ball. You need to double-team him. Literally every time. And if you didn't pay that guy, out of all the guys on that team, you didn't pay that guy, sends a very bad message to the rest of the locker room. Yeah. Because you're yeah. saying that he's not worth the money. How can the one of the best defensive players we've ever seen of our freaking generation not be worth that money? Yeah, no kidding. Exactly, yeah. Like I, I, think, I think the Rams literally were like, I don't think we have a choice here. I don't think we have a choice. We have gotta to do it. Gotta do it. Yeah, gotta, gotta do it. Glad, glad it came together. He was threatening retirement, and you know, I really started wondering if he was going to walk away. And it's tough to see guys walk away at the height. You know, we were talking about guys in their prime in boxing. It's tough in the NFL when guys walk away, uh, retire. Uh, I do have three retirements to mention. These three guys retired this uh, this past weekend. All of them had pretty lengthy careers. 
comparatively for most of the NFL guys leave a lot early. Uh, we're talking uh, one guy, 17 seasons, another guy, uh, 19 seasons and another guy, 13 seasons. Uh, first guy I want to talk about is Frank Gore. He retired. He signed a one day contract with the San Francisco 49ers where he played his first 10 years. Um, he will walk away after a 16 year career and the number third, number three rusher in yardage of all time. Uh, he had nine seasons of at least a thousand yards, 500 yards in all or more in all 16 seasons, five pro bowls, um, 16 over. Uh, he finished exactly 16,000 yards uh, just behind Emmett Smith and Walter Payton, 81 rushing touchdowns, 484 catches for an additional 4,000 yards and 18 touchdowns up. Uh, what an amazing career for Frank Gore and good to see him go out where he exactly wanted to go out. Yeah. Amazing season. Actually, if I remember correctly, Frank Gore is one of those rare human beings that was able to, I have no idea how he did that, but he, I believe he blew up both patella tendons in his knees and still played a 16 year career. Jesus. That to me is unfreaking believable because I've had a patella tendon tear. I know what that feels like. That's amazing that he can play professional sports for that long with those kind of injuries. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He was a warrior, such a battler. And, you know, you knew you could count on him every Sunday. He was uh, just such a stud. Uh, amazing career. And um, yeah, I, I think Hall of Fame, uh, he's got those numbers that uh, you look at and think, wow, uh, you know, there's he's up in the upper echelon uh, amongst uh, some of the greatest of all time. Yeah. How could he not be? Like, like you said, just look at the numbers. Look at those numbers. I'm like, yeah, that, that guy belongs in Camden. He's going. Yeah. Uh, the other guy I want to mention, 17 year career, uh, called it quits this weekend. Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, many call him Fitzmagic, uh, 17 years, uh, 35,000 yards, 223 touchdowns in 166 games. Um, man, it's crazy how many franchises he paid, uh, played for. And 39 years old, he's decided to uh, finally hang him up. Fitz, he had a great career. You know, like like he he was a journeyman quarterback, but he he got his uh, time in the sun in some of those teams that he played on. Um, hey, uh, hats off to him. Hopefully, he has a great career after his uh, playing career. But uh, the man had a really nice career and made himself uh, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Listen to all the teams he played for. This is crazy. Uh, St. Louis Rams, Cincinnati Bengals, Buffalo Bills, Tennessee Titans. Uh, New York Jets, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Miami Dolphins, and the Washington football team. Uh, he was he bounced around, but uh, everywhere he went, uh, when he got an opportunity, uh, he played great for the first little while. And uh, yeah, a fun guy to watch. Uh, real, real, uh, uh, very, very great personality. And I look forward to seeing him. Hopefully, he gets into broadcasting. Uh, in, in his second career once he's done. Uh, okay, and finally, uh, speaking of the 49ers, their center, Alex Mack, is retiring after 13 NFL seasons, seven Pro Bowls, 
three second team all pro spots. He was named to the Pro Football Hall of Fame all decade team of the 2010s, uh, 204 games at center with three teams. Uh, he worked with Kyle Shanahan in all three stops, uh, finished in San Francisco, played with Atlanta and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, very hard to replace. It'll be tough for the Niners to, to find such a stalwart guy. Uh, he was able to anchor that offensive line for 13 years, and he has decided to hang him up. Hey, a great center, um, great numbers too. Uh, he, 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 he poured in everything that he had into the game. Had no some more to give. Yeah. So it was time for him to hang it up. It was time for him to hang it up. So great player. Uh, yeah, great player. And, and finally, a uh, coach has decided to call it quits. Um, the oldest NFL head coach in the history of the league, Romeo Crennel, walked away after 39 seasons as an NFL coach, 50 years altogether coaching, uh, 74 years old, and has finally decided to uh, – called it quits. He won five Super Bowls, two with the Giants and three with the Patriots. Um, he didn't have great, great numbers as a NFL head coach, but phenomenal guy. Uh, everybody loved him and he was able to do so much with so many teams on the defensive side of the ball. Typically uh, spent the last nine seasons with Houston and uh, a lot of guys that coach that he coached, um, uh, took to social media today and wished him well, said one of the greatest guys ever. And um, yeah, 50 years coaching 39 in the NFL. That is amazing. That that's longevity. That's the definition of longevity. 50 years, 50 <laughs> years coaching. That is a lot of players that have gone through your system that you've coached personally and that you've seen succeed. And I'm sure that everybody's just like, Oh, wow. I, I actually thought you were never going to retire. Jeez. All right. Yeah. So happy trails to him. He's earned all of this. He's earned his time off. His time in the sun. Yeah. Um, I think this comes on the heels of training camps open, mini camps open for about 11 franchises today. Uh, Many more as the week progresses. A lot of these guys finally realize that they just don't want to go and uh, you know, take the abuse anymore and they, they want to walk away from the sport. But uh, you know, what, a, what a weekend, what a lot of legends that just uh, decided to hang them up right on the eve of uh, another NFL season. Uh, I'm glad we had a chance to, to mention them all. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we had a chance to mention them all too and uh, give, give them their time that yeah. they rightfully deserve. Yeah, well, uh, that concludes another episode of Complete Sports Media's podcast, man. That was fun. Uh, I Yeah, I, I had a blast as usual. It was um, awesome preparing today. I actually had a lot more energy today. I had a lot more time and uh, I had a great weekend. Uh, nice to uh, celebrate my birthday as well as, um, yeah, watch some amazing sports. Uh, I had, had such a good time and, uh, yeah, I'm back at it uh this week but um yeah that was a awesome episode as always yes it was fun as always and if i hadn't said it before i would say it now happy belated buddy thanks happy man. belated man so hey i know you had a great time and uh and i know at some point in time here in the future we'll go and have that birthday beer that i do owe you okay nice all right sounds good all you're right. on you're on let's do it 
Okay, man. Well, have a great week. Uh, good luck with your shoulder. Keep Thanks. in touch. Uh, we'll, uh, yeah, let's text a little bit on Wednesday uh, during the Warriors big win. You got it. We'll do. We'll do. Okay. All right. All right. Good night. Take care. Bye for now. Good night. Oh. Okay. Well, uh, another episode has come to a conclusion. Um, man, uh, yeah. uh, it's great that we, uh, yeah, we get to talk sports like that. Uh, Jason's amazing as always. And we covered a lot of topics tonight, a lot of things to, to break down. It was um, yeah, a fun weekend. Uh, just love the world of sports and uh, it definitely enriched my life. And uh, especially this weekend, uh, great to see some live sports and, yeah, get to see some uh, sports face-to-face as well. Uh, it was fun. So uh, thanks for tuning in as always. And I want to thank our partners and sponsors. Uh, I want to mention anchor.fm, the easiest place to make a podcast. Uh, phenomenal at posting on multiple podcast platforms for us. Uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, uh, industry leader in technology performance and value. The V350 stick is a must. Uh, I want to mention Pampas and Possibilities. Uh, Please get them to come into your home and spruce it up. Make it look amazing. Uh, They are phenomenal. Find some details on our website. And last but not least, uh, Forever Living, the aloe vera company for health and beauty products. Uh, Aloe vera is amazing and um, you'll love them. Uh, You can go onto our website and purchase products at discounted rates and uh, yeah, you will be happy. Um, anyway, uh, it was fun. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did giving it and, uh, keep in touch. Uh, yeah, check out our websites, complete, uh, sportsmedia.com and completemedianetwork.com can put you into the stratosphere of the complete media network. There's so much going on anyway. Love you lots. Take care of yourself and have a really phenomenal week ahead. Bye for now.